This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emrys, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. As we start off the 2024 season of taxes, there is probably some of you listening that haven't paid all of your taxes from previous years. And in a couple weeks or a couple months, whenever you decide to file, there's going to be some even more for this year as well. So much information is out there about not being able to pay your taxes. Should you set up a payment plan? Should you do an offer? Should you flee the country? That's exactly what I wanted to talk about this week. First and foremost, I wanted to thank you for being a loyal listener. And always, please share this with a friend if you find it helpful. This is the way we can get this information out to as many people as possible that truly do need this. Lastly, we cannot forget our dedicated sponsors that keep the show moving. Hey, did you know Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets you to learn more about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Are you tired of writing ads that don't generate one good candidate? Introducing Promotive, a full-service staffing solution for your auto repair shop. Go beyond the job boards and let them find your next rock star. They do all the heavy lifting for you. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. No one likes to owe the government money, but inevitably, most self-employed people end up owing, or hopefully do. If you never owe any money, that doesn't mean you're not able to pay it. You're not making any profit, and if you don't make any profit, you're probably not going to have a business for very long. Whether you had a tough year for cash, didn't prepare, didn't have a good tax estimate, an unexpected tax bill can really derail and freak people out. I want to go through a couple of the common situations to give you real-life information on what your options are and some of what your options aren't, I guess, as well. The first one, and really the major one here that we're going to get into, is setting up a payment plan with the IRS. What is it? How do we do this? What do we got to look out for? Is this something that I should do? Is this something that you should do, Hunt, and all that's in between? A payment plan, like I mentioned, is the most common option if you do not have the money to pay. It's really arguably the only true option if you say, I'm going to get you your money in entirety, just not right now. And the IRS doesn't really broadcast this that much, I'll say. I was laughing and talking to a client the other day, actually a client that was reading my new tax book, Wrenches to Write-Offs, Essential Guide to Taxes for Shop Owners. If you have not checked it out, take a look at our website, take a look at Amazon, download yourself a copy. But it's all about taxes, common tax stuff that I feel that every small business owner and shop owner should know. But one of the things that got brought up, I think is really honestly way too true, is my client was saying, I really love this. This is awesome. I feel like that a lot of this information was not rocket science, but the IRS kind of gives us all of their rules on taxes, but they don't really give you all of them. It seems like it's all a little bit of smoke and mirrors and a little bit more mysterious than it should be. And payment plans are one of those things too. When I see all these people freaking out, and this is one of the aspects of my job that I really do, is being able to talk people off a ledge. I get it. You don't want to owe the IRS any money. It's not as bad as you think it is. Every once in a while, it's worse than they think. I need to talk them off the ledge. If they're going to live in ignorance, and I don't think that they're doing anything that is hurting their situation, tell them you should be much more concerned than you are. But honestly, it's usually the opposite. My clients that owe a smaller amount of money are losing sleep, freaking out, 
even a lot of times for people that don't actually owe the money, the IRS is just saying that they do. However, I got people that owe them hundreds of thousands of dollars and have owed them hundreds of thousands of dollars for years. And they're like, ah, I don't care. They can get them when they can get them. And what we're seeing is really two things. One of them is, I would say, somewhat irrational fear of the IRS. And then the other one is that there's no options. If you don't have all the money, you just can't pay them. The IRS is going to throw you in jail. Now, why say the irrational fear of the IRS? The IRS is big brother. It's still the federal government. They have a lot of power, but they're not as mean and vindictive and really honestly smart as you think that they are. A lot of this stuff is really more or less the honor system. Taxes in general is the honor system. Everyone says, oh, what if I get audited? Think about how many of you guys have been audited. Technically, you could have made up the entire tax return, maybe for your entire business career. And if you've never been audited, then whatever you decide to deduct or not report is never going to get caught. Taxes are completely the honor system. Now, with the kind of influx of technology and reporting to the IRS, yeah, there is things that they can double check. There's stuff that if you do not report all of your credit card deposits, the IRS is going to know about it. There's a lot of other stuff that they have no clue until they really look into this. Given that it is the honor system, like I said, and the IRS does sometimes reach out for information. And when the IRS sends letters or calls you or shows up to your place of business, they can be pretty intimidating. And that is by design. If they sent you a letter of saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Taxpayer, we really think that you might have overlooked this, but no big deal. Hey, just get back to us when you can, if you want to, yada, yada, yada. You going to respond to that? Maybe. Probably chuck on your desk. All right. I need to send them back a nice little letter, argue my position or whatever it be, but I'll do that when I want to do that. Now, compare that to the letters that we really do get. We're going to steal your assets. We're going to freeze your bank accounts. We're going to steal your children. We're going to take everything from you and you're going to be living on the street. It's not that bad, but some of these letters are pretty terrifying. If you do not respond to this letter, we will start collection attempts immediately, which is really funny because they sent it out for three years during COVID when they had zero collection attempts. And honestly, if you are in communication with the IRS, they generally do not get that mad. And as we'll talk about a little bit, there is times when they get madder than others. Most of what we're going to talk about, really all of what we're going to talk about today is income tax. It's tax season. It's the proper time to be doing this. IRS looks at income tax a lot different than they look at payroll tax. I'm not going to get into payroll tax bunch today, but I want to tell you, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, this kind of applies to all that payroll tax money I owe. Unfortunately, it does not. The reason why they look at income tax and payroll tax a little bit differently is because of what they call a trust tax. Trust taxes are something where they are trusting you to collect their money and then later remit that to them. A couple examples of trust tax would be sales tax, withholding tax, and things like that. Where if you withhold money from your employees' paychecks or you withhold sales tax from your customers' invoices, that is not your money. You're holding that for someone else. You collect it on their behalf. Just like with sales tax, payroll tax is something that the IRS does not play around with. If you are taking your employees' withholdings and not giving the IRS money, they really get mad. There's virtually no negotiation on that because they say, you didn't steal our money, you stole your employees' money. It's not even like you can say, I didn't have the money for it. Yeah, of course you did. It was never your money to begin with. It just had to flow through your bank account and just never left. Now, on income taxes, they look at it a lot differently. They trust that you are going to pay them, but they are not trust taxes. And so these can get discharged. The IRS will walk away from them. They will negotiate to a certain degree. Again, we'll talk about this a little bit later. It's a lot harder to negotiate, much harder than it used to be. When I first started doing this, 
you could wheel and deal to a certain degree with the IRS. We could call him up. Hey, he doesn't have that much money. You guys think he owes 80. He's got 60. If we give you 60 in two weeks, will you get rid of it? And you would usually have to talk to a manager or something like that. But there are decision makers that could actually make that decision. Flash forward to today, there is no way. Anyone that you're talking to right now, they don't even have the ability to abate penalties. When you say, hey, I want to get penalties abated, remember how they say, we need you to send in a letter? That letter actually gets fed through a computer system and it looks for special keywords and stuff like that. A quick little tip here. They won't tell you what keywords that they like to say, but let's say that you are late on payroll and they say, all right, you owe $20,000 in penalties for filing these payroll tax returns late. Use an actual example of one of my clients. So client called him up and says, oh my God, the IRS won't get rid of any of these penalties. I paid them all the taxes. I didn't pay the taxes or I didn't file them on time. What do I do here? Like I said, I advise my client, they're going to read this through a computer system. And actually a nice IRS agent gave me some of these tips. They're looking for certain keywords, the F word, fraud, embezzlement, criminal charges, firing, dismissal. They want someone to die on the stake for this. And so what my client decided to write, I trusted a professional to hire my, to be filed my payroll tax returns. There was no reason that I was never led to believe that anything was an issue. I didn't receive any of the notices because it was purposefully hidden from me. I am not sure if I'm going to go forward and press criminal charges for fraud or embezzlement or any of those other charges, even though it's in my legal right to do upon learning this, I was able to fire or I terminated this employee and have immediately taken over actions myself. Because of this, I hope that you can forgive this penalty. And long story short, $20,000 we got out of all of that stuff. Now, what actually happened there? His wife was the one doing the books on it. None of that stuff was wrong. He was thinking about pressing charges. He was thinking about doing this. He did fire her. I'm not telling you guys to lie to the IRS, but don't just say my daughter, my wife, my bookkeeper, my husband was supposed to file this stuff and they didn't. They messed up. Their IRS is going to be like, yeah, that's your problem. You should have shown reasonable care. It's your problem. You should have been overseeing this stuff. If you need to write a penalty abatement letter, make sure you mix fraud in there, embezzlement, termination, stuff like that. Anyways, getting back to the payment plan here. Why does the IRS allow us to do a payment plan? Why don't they just say, we're not going to take a payment plan, pay us our money or pay us our money? A couple things, death and taxes, no getting away from that. And have you ever heard, of, you can't discharge taxes in bankruptcy. There's no getting out of your taxes, which is somewhat true, but there's a little bit more to it. Really the official statute on this is the IRS has 10 years to collect this tax liability. Let's say that I was to go ahead, file my taxes today. I owe them $100,000. I can start to clock right now. If I have not set up a payment plan, if I have not given the IRS a single cent, I've been able to dodge them for the next 10 years in January or February of 2020 or 2034, the IRS would actually have to walk away from that. They cannot collect it anymore. I have not seen this very often. Honestly, I've only had this one time where I was able to discharge someone's debt based on it just being too old. It was probably about three or four years ago. My client called me up and said, I got this old tax liability. I was still hounding me about it. And I said, send me over the notice. It was like 2003, 2004 taxes. So I asked my client, I said, have you ever had a payment plan? Have you ever, no. So I called the IRS and I said, what is my statutory discharge date? It's an official date. In the IRS, will try and lie to you on this one. They'll say, oh no, we still got a couple more years on that. Now there's software and stuff that we can look this up and actually figure it out. And in my client's case on it, the discharge date was actually six months prior to this phone call. 
So I said, that's strange because you have the discharge date of this. I have it actually of this, which would be six months ago, which would mean that this is, you guys can't collect on this. I had about a 10 second pause on there. Agent was, I don't know, trying to cover his tracks on his line, came back and said, yeah, you're correct. This is done. Have a great day. We'll send a letter on this. If you can get away with this for 10 years, they will get rid of this. Now, unless you're very old, you don't make any money, you don't care about your credit, you got nerves of steel on this, I really do not recommend writing this out. The IRS, if they are year one through five of their 10-year statute on this, they will yell at you. You can usually play games with them. Probably even for a couple more year, you can mess around with it. Years nine and 10 of this statute, they get really aggressive. The IRS knows that they are close to not being able to collect their money and they will get nasty. They will show up. They will try and get whatever they can, which is why really the only people that end up getting away with this are people that truly just don't have it. Where the IRS looks at this and they say, he doesn't have any money in his bank. We're not going to levy that. We're not going to freeze it. He just cannot pay it. Another thing on it is they have 10 years to get this stuff, but the IRS also says, hey, we can yell and scream all we want, But if they don't have it, they don't have it. If we could force, we could get whatever penalties or interest. It's not that they just don't want to pay and they don't. You don't want to pay either. You just physically cannot. The IRS is smarter and that way you messed up. We'll get our money at some point on this. We're going to be collecting our interest and penalties on this. As long as we get paid back over 10 years, more back, more or less, all things are golden. Let's say that you do owe money. How do you set one up and how easy is it to set up? There's really two thresholds that you need to know about. And this is cumulative. This is not for a single year. This is the total amount that you owe the IRS. The magic number here is $50,000. If you owe them a combined total of less than $50,000, it is very easy to do an IRS payment plan. You can even do them online now, I believe. But essentially, the way that works, if you're less than $50,000, you don't need to give them any sort of financials, business, or personal. You just call them up and say, I owe you guys $50,000. Can I pay you five grand a month for the next year and get the stuff paid off? And they're going to say yes. As long as the payback period is in the time that they can get their collection on it and you owe less than $50,000, it is very easy to do. Even if you're over $50,000, but especially if you're below $50,000, this is something that you can do yourself. You do not need to hire me. You do not need to hire your accountant unless you want to. These are things that are set up and are made for a consumer to be able to get themselves. If you make over $50,000 or if you owe them over $50,000, and like I said, that's not just one year, that's cumulative. So total penalties and interest, everything over 50 grand, it's going to be a little bit harder. The reason is because over $50,000, they no longer trust you. They want to start seeing financials. You essentially had to give them a personal financial statement, disclose all of your income and expenses personally, all of your personal assets. And then if you're self-employed, you also have to do another one for the business, which is essentially a set of financials for the business. What that allows them to do is really two things. They want to be able to see that this person can actually afford what they are promising to pay us back. If they look at your financials and they say, according to these financials, you can pay us back three grand a month, they will not accept a payment plan for five grand a month. They'll say, it's not possible on there. And I asked an agent about this before and I said, why would you never accept more? They're like, well, it actually raises more questions than answers because if you, on paper, cannot afford to pay us back $5,000, then how the heck are you going to do that? To us, that might seem like that you might be hiding something. I was like, that's a really good point. Either way, though, if you're less than $50,000, do this yourself. You already probably cash is tight. Do it yourself. Not a ton of money on it. I think we charge 800 or 1000 bucks to do. It takes a couple hours, but it's not rocket science. They're not going to ask you anything tricky. 
over $50,000, I'd probably hire a professional. Again, it's really not that much more expensive. We had to do some personal financial statements and stuff like that. That one does get trickier. Most people can do the lower amount. Some people can do the bigger ones. If you're financially savvy, you could figure it out. If you're not, hire a professional to do this. It'll probably make you sleep a little bit easier at night. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. They provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napatrax offers the industry's best wholesale support hands down. They train your people on site. Yes, on site. They also offer remote refresher training 10 times a week and customer support is open six days a week. Give them a call, visit them, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. They'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napatrax is always customized and tailored for your business, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Is your recruitment process draining your valuable time and resources? What if there was a partner who could take your recruitment efforts off your plate? Look no further. Promotive is your ultimate solution for hassle-free staffing focused solely on the motive industry. On the web at gopromotive.com. Promotive understands the challenges you face when searching for the perfect technician or service advisor for your shop. That's why we've developed a platform that takes the hassle out of recruiting. Michelle Tanzi from Euroclinic said, I am a shop owner and recruiting new talent is so time-consuming. Promotive does the majority of the seeking and recruiting. They reach out to the candidates for you, and when they feel they are a good match for you and culture, they make the connection. They follow up throughout the interview process, and we make sure that the candidates are a good fit, and the shop is a good fit for the candidates. I admire that they genuinely want both parties to win. They recruited and paired us with a solid B-Tech and Master Tech. Both left a dealership position and are still part of our team. We are very happy with the character and culture match, and both technicians have become valuable team members. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and join the growing community of shop owners who have found their ideal team members with Promotive. Now, what are the rules on a payment plan? We already know that you have to be able to afford it, that you have to be able to pay them back within the statute of limitations on it. Obviously, the biggest rule here is to make the payment. Now, sometimes you can get this set up so it automatically drafts it every single month. Sometimes people like to send in a check. Either way on it, they need to get a payment every 30 days like clockwork or you'll get kicked out. The bigger one though that seems to disqualify people is you don't have any more tax liability added to your account. Let's say that you go and you're four years into this payment plan. You've been paying them $1,000 a month like clockwork. Boom, 2027 hits, you owe three grand, you don't have the money, and it goes into collections. IRS knows that you don't pay it by the deadline. You are now kicked out of the payment plan. If you have any sort of, if you get a tax notice, if you forget to report something, any sort of taxes that hit your account are going to kick you out of the payment arrangement. The IRS wants to see that you are changing your ways. If you are kicked out, they will generally let you back in. It's just annoying because you have to call them back up and go down through the whole process again. I'm going to put an asterisk on this because I have never actually seen this. But technically, if you keep on breaching these payment plans and the IRS doesn't think that you're learning from your ways, they can actually decline giving you a payment plan. Now, like I said, I don't think I've ever had anyone egregious enough 
And yeah, if you decline my payment plan, then all right, I still don't have the full amount. So what are my options here? But you'll piss them off. I have one offender on this, which we've over the years, man, set up maybe 20, 30 payment plans for this guy. And Arias just keeps on giving it to him. Now, honestly, they probably shouldn't. He has no intention of ever paying them. They probably have figured it out by now. He is in the riding it out category, which time will tell. I would have already said that he's not going to be able to ride it out. But every year that goes by, it's looking more and more like he might end up actually winning this long game here. Don't owe any tax. Make sure you make the payments on time. And even better, if you can set it up automated, that's going to be much easier. All this stuff that we've been talking about on payment plans is for the IRS. It's for the feds. If you have a state tax liability on this, they are generally much, much easier to work with than the feds. We have a unique perspective in our accounting firm is that we have clients virtually in every single state. We're actually in 49 states across the country on it. Some states are easier than others. And I'm not counting the ones like Florida and Texas that don't actually have any state income tax. Some are just a little bit more easier to deal with and will wheel in deal. Other ones are a bit strict like the IRS, but I always will take out the IRS first. If you're looking at this and saying, hey, I owe 20 grand to the IRS, 20 grand to the state. I got 20 grand to play with. Should I pay a little bit to each of them? No, knock one of them out completely. Just knock out the IRS. The IRS has a lot more power than the state revenue board does. A lot more people, a lot more options, a lot more effect of owing the feds money than owing the state money. If let's say that you are looking at this and saying, I owe the IRS 20, I owe the state five grand, and I have 10 grand to spare, what should I do? I would not throw that 10 grand at the IRS because it would still leave us a liability there. I would throw $5,000 at the state to knock that off completely and then just have 15,000 owed to the IRS. Always try and pay the IRS first, but if you can knock out the state and just be done with it and just be fighting kind of a one sided battle here, that's going to make things a lot easier. But for the state, a lot of them do have payment arrangements, but you can just call them up. Can I pay you guys this? And some states don't even recognize it. You don't officially have a payment plan with us, but it's a handshake agreement. You make these payments, we'll leave you alone, and everything is well and done. But for example, I'll, t- I'll tell you something for the state. So there is situations for the state, and I used to be able to do this with the IRS too, where you can call him up and say, come on now, you're not getting this money from him. He's never going to have this. He's got some cash now that he can borrow from a family member, only if you're going to discharge this. And I did this, I'll actually talk about the client a little bit because I did an offer and compromise for him, but I also was able to negotiate the state. So he owed about $145,000 to the state of Maryland, and he didn't have it. We were actually getting a loan for this, but we didn't tell them we were getting a loan. We said we were borrowing it from a family member. And called him up and said, we'll give you 70 grand. We can borrow that from a family member, but it has to be done. We cannot say, oh, apply to the balance. No, we need clean hands on this. So we went back and forth on it. I think we end up agreeing right around 80 grand to the state of Maryland. And they said, if you can pay us within a week, we'll just charge the rest of it. Now, of the 130, 135 grand he owed, about 100 was tax and the rest was penalties and interest. So they even got rid of some of the taxes on there. Now that's pretty rare. Generally, if you're looking at the state, you have three aspects of this. And the feds too, but it matters less with them because they don't like getting rid of any of this stuff. But let's say that you owe 135 grand. Some of that is tax, some of that is interest, and some of that is penalties. Generally, the tax is the biggest, the penalties are the next, and the interest is the smallest amount. Taxes and interest are very hard to get out of. Even some states have it in their constitutions that they will not forgive any of that stuff. 
So generally, the best case that you're looking for is trying to get rid of the penalties. So if you're good there and you're really negotiating, don't think, oh, I'm just not a bad negotiator. They probably are not going to get rid of the any of the taxes and generally not even the interest as well. Let's say that you owe money. Don't need a couple of years to pay this back. You are going to be able to pay this when things pick up in the summer, maybe early fall, whatever it is. So you're looking to yourself and saying, I owe money. I cannot pay it here in April, but by August or September, I'll be able to get these guys all of their money. What should I do? Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Don't set up a payment agreement. If you want, you can call the IRS and tell them what your plan is. But if you're planning to pay this over the next four to six months, don't worry about it. You can send them partial payments on it if you want. Honestly, it can be a little bit tricky on it. If you have a sizable chunk to send it to them, yeah, send it in and they'll say you owed 60. Thanks for the 30. You still owe us 30 plus interest on it. But you don't need a payment plan on this. You're paying this over the next couple months. There's just no reason to waste your time and money of setting up one because you can do more or less an informal one. And honestly, the last kind of section on here that I wrote is IRS is the worst bank to deal with. If you can borrow money from a family member, if you can borrow money from a bank, if you have access to a line of credit, borrow this money from someone else and pay the IRS. The IRS, if you have a payment plan, is essentially your bank on it. They are the worst bank in the world to deal with for a number of reasons. Also, their rates are higher. It's a little bit tricky because depending on what type of arrangement stuff that you're in, some of the penalties and interest are lower than they normally would be. It's still going to be higher than a conventional bank loan or line of credit. So if you have the availability to get this money elsewhere, borrow the money from Wells Fargo, give the IRS their money. Don't borrow money from the IRS just to not try and get in other debt. Like I said, IRS is not a good bank. We don't want to bank with them. The payment plan, like we just talked about, is really one of the three options that the IRS gives us. We got payment plan. We have straight payment. Hey, just pay us. And the last one is the offer in compromise. Payment plan is the most common thing for people that can't make a straight payment. But there is a third option. And the reason I want to put the third option out there is I get asked about this so much. Do I see it much? In questions, yes. In practice, no, absolutely not. This is called an offer in compromise or an OIC. And what is it? There's a couple of types of offer and compromises, but the most common one and what most people think about is called a DATC, doubt as to collectability, meaning you guys have 10 years to get this back. You guys are not going to be able to collect this. I'm not going to be able to pay this over the 10 years. Why don't we stop right here and you guys just give up and we go our separate ways? It's more or less exactly what it is. Is it very hard to get? Yes. Does it take a long time? Yes. Is it very expensive to do an offer and compromise? Yes. Even more, there is a whole industry that is really predatory here. And so this is called tax advocacy, representation work, all kinds of different names to this. The big boys in this space are Optima Tax Relief and stuff like that. You owe the government hundreds of thousands of dollars. We can settle your debts for pennies on the dollar or less. When in most cases, they cannot. And they're businesses. They're to make money. They sell hopes and dreams. And they really piss some people off and they really screw people over here. So I'll talk to you a little bit about what they do and why these are so hard to get. How does the IRS figure out if an offer is valid? Because we're offering and we're going to say, here's how much we offer to pay you. But there's a whole formula and ways that it comes up with it. We won't get into the specifics. It is extremely complicated. You are not going to do an offer and compromise yourself. I mean, you could try if you want to. I will guarantee you that you will not win. 
100%. I'll put $1,000 out there. If you can do this yourself, and you're not a CPA, you've not any tax and accounting training, and you can get an offer and compromise accepted by the IRS, I'll give you $1,000. I'll give you a job too, because it's, that's how tricky this is. You think that a payment plan is like dark arts? The offer and compromise has got so much weird stuff in it that we'll talk about a little bit. I've done this before. It was like, man, they really don't want you to do this because they don't tell you a lot of these rules. But essentially, the way that they look at this is they say, how much do you have in assets right now? Real estate, retirement, bank accounts, jewelry, anything, cars. And then how much income do we expect you to make over this repayment period? Remember, we got 10 years. So they say, do you have the money now? And if you don't, will you be able to make the rest of it over the next 10 years? If we see this, then we are not going to give you an offer because we do not doubt to the collectability. We're going to be able to get it. We're just going to be patient, declined. Now, assets, not all of them are deemed assets. And this is where it gets really tricky. And this is where the good guys make their money. Any assets in your business are not actually subject to the offer unless you're doing a business offer, which is for payroll tax and they never work. But if you have an income tax audit and you're self-employed on it, they're going to say, what assets do you have in your business? We have assets. None of those are eligible because they're all used in a normal course of business. And that's true. That's legal. Lawnmower, you got a side-by-side, you got whatever in your business. Doesn't matter. As long as the business is using it, the IRS cannot take it. Also, some of the stuff here has to do with the how they value these different assets, what they're able to get, what they're not able to get. And even some of the weirder stuff here, like actually having a brand new truck that you have a loan on looks much better for an offer than having a beater that is paid in full. Why? Because if I have a $100,000 Corvette that I have a $100,000 loan on, the IRS looks at that as having no assets. And even more, it gives me a deduction because I have a car payment. However, let's say that I'm frugal and I have a 92 Toyota truck that's worth five grand. I now have a $5,000 asset and I don't even have any expenses because they know I don't have a car payment. This whole thing is even strange. And there's some people that'll actually should coach you before even going offer of like, let me see what your stuff looks like. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to move around. Here's what we're going to change before we actually submit this stuff. Again, not going into full assets on it, but essentially what do you have right now? What are you going to make in the future? If you owe them 100 grand and you put out there that I got $150,000 equity in my house, they're going to say, okay, then go refinance your house. Go get a line of credit and pay us our money. Now, if you're truly broke, you don't have any assets, no money, no card, no house, none of that. And then the next thing they're going to do is they're going to look at your income. And essentially, the income is pretty straightforward. There's allowable deductions and stuff that you have, but they're going to look at this and say, could you essentially be eligible for a payment arrangement that would allow you to pay the entire amount or the amount less whatever you already have in assets over the 10-year period. If you don't have enough assets, if you don't have enough income to pay them back in full by the end of the 10-year period, then this is what your compromise comes up with. Based on what I have and based on what I'm going to make, you guys, I'm going to only be able to pay you 30 grand of this 100,000 over the next 10 years. As long as you did this stuff correctly, they technically have to accept that offer and you move around, you move on with your day. Best case situation. As you can hear my voice, I hate these. There's, like I said, CD characters out there that will fleece people and have fleeced my clients over the years. Oh, give us $10,000. We'll submit an offer for you. And I look at this and inevitably they paid the 10 grand. Offer doesn't go through. Taxes have now went up and they now have 10 grand, even less in their pocket. And I look at this stuff and I say, no one with half a brain would have ever submitted this. Like they knew that this was never going to get accepted. But if they didn't say there's a chance, they would have never got their 10 grand. 
Hence why I said these guys sell hopes and dreams here. And over the years, I've been asked probably at this point hundreds of times, hey, hon, can I do an offer and compromise? Can we try and settle this for a lower amount? And of those hundreds, I mean, it could even be thousands at this point. I've thought that of those, maybe 10, maybe a little bit more than 10, but no more than 20 even had a shot at this because I will not accept money from a client to say, submit your offer. If I do not think that the offer has a chance, I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to take your money. I will not do an offer for you. You are not going to pay me my bill because I'm not going to submit this. I know with everything in my heart that it's just never going to get accepted. You want to go hire someone else to do this? Sure, go for it. But you're wasting your time and money. I'm just not going to. The way that we work on it is there's some stuff that automatically precludes them. And if I know enough about their financials, I'll just tell them, no, it's not going to work. I know your financials. I know how much money you have. I know how much money you make. It's not going to work. Of those 10 or 20 where I said, we might have something here, I did look into those and we'll do what we call a discovery where we essentially fill out this offer and just look and see if there's a chance of this. See if it's close. See if it makes sense. Not going to do an offer and compromise when we're going to offer 95 grand. You owe the government 100. It doesn't make any sense. You're going to end up paying me more than what you would end up paying the government anyways. Or we can submit this offer and it is 50 cents on the dollar. You don't even have the money to pay for this, let alone the full amount. So we're not going to do this. But of all those people that we looked at, I have only actually ever taken one from start to finish. I want to say that I've submitted two other ones. Those ended up getting kicked out when my client, turns out, had forgot to give me some of the information. IRS came back and said, that's strange because the taxpayer didn't report this bank account and we have record of this one. Yeah, it doesn't make me look very good and a little frustrating because on the surface, those deals look good. But if you got a $185,000 brokerage account that you just tried to not tell the IRS about, yeah, they weren't too happy and they got their money. Now, the one that did, we will talk about here in a second. Blasted Optima Tax Relief, which I don't feel bad. They're a terrible business. They should be ashamed of themselves. It's a plenty of ways to make money on it without taking advantage of innocent people, which is truly what they do. They will not do a discovery. Generally, it's yes or no. If they really do not want to take this, which I haven't ever seen, they will not charge you any money. If they do want to take it, I've seen as much as $40,000 just to submit an offer. You should never be paying that much money just to submit an offer, especially some of the ones that I saw where it's like, guys, even when you filled out this offer, you knew it wasn't going to qualify. Why did you keep on going? So many of these people will just try and sell it right off the bat when they know, hey, ultimately, we're just going to put you into a payment plan anyways. But that's the big thing. You don't do their homework. And I think just really don't have the integrity and have people's best interest. What I mentioned before, there's plenty of ways to make money. I choose to do it in a way that I can feel good at night, that I can put my head on a pillow and say, I helped people out. I did the right thing for them. Not, hey, I made a bunch of money. It's just, life's too short to do shit like that. Why do I really hate them? Not only do I think that most people don't qualify for them, it's very hard to get. They also take forever. They take so long to do, years and years. The one that I did, my one that I did from start to finish, if you count everything of like when we first started working on this before we even submitted to when we were finally done and got our discharge paperwork, yeah, we won this one. It took three years, probably almost three and a half years from start to finish. And we actually end up having to go to appeals, which apparently all these go to appeals because their first thing is, nope, we decline them. 
you have to appeal them and you have to essentially show them their own tax law and say, guys, I know you don't like this. You guys wrote the rules. Don't get mad at me for following this. You need to agree with me. Also, the thing here is you have to be a good boy or girl during all of this or else you get kicked out. If you end up while you're in the offer, if you end up owing taxes for the following year, oop, sorry, out of line, you're done, over with. They will ask you for everything under the sun or they'll kick you out. They will try and argue things that aren't actually tax law and kick you out. They just don't make this easy. Government doesn't like walking away from money, which in some aspects, when you're not the one that's trying to get out of it, is nice. You don't want other people saying, I'm paying my tax and this guy's just walking away from it. Yeah, they make it a little bit harder then. Maybe it should be. This should be something that's pretty rare. Now, why do people like them? We've already talked about all of the bad stuff about it. Why do people like them? Because what they are offering on those phone calls is true. I had an $85,000 tax liability that I settled for two grand. That is probably 100% true. Now, the part that sucks about it is it's not common. They make it seem like if you owe money, then you should be able to settle it for less. It's just a matter of how much less. And that's really not the case. The one that I have done, my shining achievement of my accounting and tax career, we had a almost $500,000 tax liability. Once it was all said and done, it was like $485,000 penalties and interest. Still, majority of that was tax. It was like four hundred twenty grand of tax, about 65 penalties and interest. We ended up settling that for 70,000 bucks. This was a couple of years ago. My client's already been discharged of this. So we really did almost settle it for 10 cents on the dollar. Crazy. Now, his is a very unique situation. The times that he racked up this tax bill, he made way more money than he did when we submitted the offer on it. He did not really have a whole lot of assets. It is just a perfect storm. Because even look at that, he settled it for 70000 meaning that if he would have owed the government $70,000 or less, he would not have been able to do an offer. Arguably, even if he owed them like hundred or 120000 probably wouldn't have made sense to do the offer once you factor in all the time and expense associated with this and the waiting game on it. But since he did owe them such a massive amount and he really didn't have two nickels to rub together, we're able to get that done. It did take a long time. It was quite the battle. But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty cool feeling to be able to call the client and say, man, it actually worked. You've heard just as many as I have of how these never work. They do but is a very unique situation. What I always tell people is this, is should you do one? Probably not. This is for people that cannot pay tax, not that you don't want to pay the tax. So if you look at this and you are honest with yourself and say, in my heart of hearts, is there any possible way, if all the stars align, if I do things right, if I change my ways, if I set money aside, can I pay this back over the next 10 years? If you answer either yes or maybe to that, you're done. If there is even a maybe, you probably aren't even factoring some of this other stuff. If you say to yourself, no, there is no way that I will be able to pay them. There's no way that I have this money now or I'll be able to earn enough over the next decade to give them back their money, then you should think about it. But do not ever give someone a bunch of money up front to do one of these things. If there is a one step, we've qualified you, here's the where you sign and here's where you get the bill, run so fast. Anyone worth their money here should be doing a much cheaper, probably a free consultation at first, but then even more, we're going to need to charge you a little bit of money because I want to look into a couple more things just to make sure this makes sense. They should be doing their due diligence on this, not just letting it rip. All in all here, no one ever likes owing the government money. But it does happen and currently happening to hundreds of thousands of Americans every single year. 
Don't lose too much sleep over this. The damage is done. There is always a way out. The worst thing that you can do is be paralyzed by fear and do nothing because that is when things really do get ugly. If you don't have it, tell the IRS. If you don't have it but need some time, tell the IRS. I would agree that most IRS employees are soulless creatures, but there are always ways to settle this that probably aren't as bad as you think. So please share this with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.